shouted. Amen. Come on, everyone that agrees with that prayer shouted. Can you all do me one more favor? Can we give our choir a big round of applause? Wasn't that good? That was good. That took was me good. back. Took me way took me back. back. Took, took me, me back. Way well, back. go back to some, Especially that some history. Dun, 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 dun. We should hit that again. That was what how I many know we can have fun in church? I actually believe praising God is fun. That's right. Right? It really is, and it can be fun. I want you to love on at least two or three people today. Let them know that you're glad to see them, and then you can be seated. Yes. Praise God. We trust everyone had a wonderful Valentine's week. We hope that it just wasn't one day, but it's really a lifestyle of love. I get the distinct privilege today to minister with my better half, my lovely wife, Pastor Patricia Gregory. It's one of my favorite things to do is to minister the gospel with her. Uh, we're going to minister a series, actually. Uh, we usually, around February, like to come with some type of relationship information because that's what's on everyone's mind. And so we're going to minister on the subject of In to Me You See. In to Me You See. And so really it's a message about intimacy. And the only way for two people to have intimacy, I mean, the one has to see into the other. And then the other has to see into the other in order for the two to have intimacy. Now, how many know the best relationship you could ever have is the one with God? That's right. And That's the right. more intimate you are with God, the more intimate we can be with each other. All right, but we're going to talk about in the context of our earthly, earthly relationships today. And so if you can uh, follow along today, Version Bible app, uh, if you'll just go to the event section, click on Linked Up Church, the outline is right there. We'll give you a lot more than what's in the outline. Uh, so that you can take your own personal notes, but we at least give you the shell of what it is that we're talking about today. Now, we're not speaking specifically to married couples, although, of course, we're married. But how many know in order to get married, you've got to learn how to communicate with each other? Right? And so this really impacts all aspects of our lives. And so I just, we just think it's just good foundational information. And so our introduction today, at the core of every healthy relationship is the ability of two people to successfully communicate with one another. Communication can be difficult because each individual may have a different background, different experiences, and sometimes even a different culture, which all affect how we communicate. In addition, psychology today says that 93% of all communication consists of nonverbal, meaning body language, eye contact, facial, facial expression, and tone rather than words. How many know, ladies, you all can tell us a whole lot without ever saying a word? just by those areas that I just described, right? <laughs> and then this is interesting here. Psychology Today says that only 7% is actually what we say. So communication is a skill that must be learned and practiced in order to have a successful relationship. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 18, and let's look at verse 21, the Amplified as a foundation text. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, the Amplified reads this way. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit, listen to this, and bear the consequences of their words. That's deep. Now that's really, when you think about that, if we're really reading this verse in context, that means that everything that we have said has shaped the world that we live in today. How many of y'all agree with that? And so everything our life has produced has a whole lot to do with the words that we've said out of our mouths. And that's good and bad. And so what do we think Solomon meant when he said the power of life and death is in the tongue? What, what was he referring to? The power of life and death is in the tongue. Well, well God understood or Solomon understood that man and woman, we're all created in the image of God. 
And if we're created in the image of God, then we create the same way God creates. Yes. And the way God created this entire world was by the words of his mouth. And so the way we create our world is by the words of our mouth. And so if you don't like the world that you're living in today, Check you can change saying. it if you'll just change what comes out Check of your what mouth. Check what you're saying. Check what you're saying. And so Solomon understood all of these things. So the power of communication is especially important then in the context of relationships. So by our words, we can develop a beautiful and prosperous relationship that glorifies God. Or by our words, we can destroy the very gift and mission God has given us in relationships. All of us can go back and look over the course of our lives. And we know, me included, we have destroyed previous relationships by words that we allow to come out of our mouths. How many of you in here are willing to admit that, right? And so we've got to be careful and really think about what we say before we say it. If you think about it, I dare to say 99% of the trouble that we got in started with our mouth. Somebody pushed a button and somebody said the wrong thing. We took it personal and then blah, blah. There it goes. So what's going to happen over this, the course of this message, us sharing this message, is that we're going to consider key principles that will enhance communication and relationships. And it covers a plethora of different relationships. You can, even though we're going to speak to the paramount of relationships, i.e. marriage, you can apply these general basics softly to your interpersonal relationships at work, your communication skills at, with your boss, with your neighbor, to your, with your mama, that hot-tempered cousin you got, that neighbor you just don't understand that won't speak back to you. We will study the importance of growing in knowledge of our counterpart, honoring and accepting gender differences, always speaking edifying words, listening to our counterparts, and learning to remain in Christ. Learning to remain in Christ. That's so excellent. That last one is so good because if you don't stay in Christ, you might slap somebody. Hello. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? You ever allow words to escalate to a point where well, it got physical? You're about to lose your salvation. I mean, somebody stepped outside of Christ when that happened, right? So you're going to see how important it is in communication to stay in Christ. Watch this. Even if the other person is not but we'll get there. Point number one today, know your counterpart. Know your counterpart. So the first principle that will enhance communication is simply getting to know your counterpart. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3 and let's look at verse 7. 1 Peter 3, 7, speaking specifically to the husbands about how to treat their wives, okay? But I'm going to come at it from a little different angle. How many know the Word of God has always given birth to new revelation, right? If you meditate on it, I'm telling you to open up new, new revelation, new wisdom, new insight. 1 Peter 3, 7, New King James Version says, Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. The King James uses the word knowledge, right? And so that word knowledge is epignosis. And so it's not just talking about intellectual knowledge. It's also talking about experiential knowledge. I mean, you know, I learn a lot about her just by living with her and spending time with her. I gain experience about what uh, pushes her button the wrong way and what pushes her button the right way. The rest of this verse goes on to say, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. So what type of understanding must the husband develop in this re relationship in order to respect and honor his wife? The primary thing that the husband must develop is a knowledge of his wife's person. I mean, no, she is not my mother. Amen. amen. Somebody ought to say a amen. to the that. man with a capital A. So for me to ever bring up my mother in the context of this relationship, my mother has nothing to do with this relationship. Right? She is a unique individual 
of her own. And if I'm going to have a great relationship with her, then I've got to understand her better than I do anyone else. And so right away we see here, if I'm going to honor her and I'm going to respect her, then I've got to understand that she is unique. She is special. Uh, she is her own person. I've got to know what bothers her. I've got to know what builds her up. I've got to know what makes her angry. I've got to know what makes her happy because miscommunication in relationships a lot of times father uh, people is simply because we don't know each other well enough a lot of times we get into relationships we know each other's body but we don't know each other come on somebody help me minister today come on you ever been in one and after you've been in it long enough then you actually say to yourself I don't I, I did not know that they were like that and that's because we don't take enough time on the front end without our bodies to actually get to know each other. See, know and understand that when you are dating, you are collecting data. Mm -hmm. That's the whole purpose of dating. You are actively and aggressively taking in data. And that data is just the foundation. Because should you continue on to marriage... Now that data continues to evolve. Right. It doesn't just stop because you got married. We continue to evolve. We continue to prayerfully grow in who we are as an individual. That's right. Which brings me to one of those points that you were talking about, that knowledge, that, that gnosis, that, that knowing and that time to understand, meaning that you have to take time out to know the individual as they are. Not what not, you want them to be. Not the title that they hold or the person you want them to be. Worse yet, the person you think you can change them into being. So if Patricia Gregory is confident going into a relationship just on my own confident, well, guess what? I'm going to be a confident wife. I'm going to be a confident mother. That's if so I'm dealing with some major insecurities, because we all got insecurities, but if I have some major insecurities, well, guess what? I'm going to have those major insecurities as a wife, as a mother, as a boss, as a friend. It just don't disappear, just disappear because I'm married now. So when we get time, take time to know one another, I have to know him based off of who he is as an individual. That's right. And oftentimes, you know, in relationships, especially when you get, get started, there's this phase or this season that's called idealistic distortion. It's real. I mean, if, you, if you're getting married, you're thinking about getting married, and you're going to do it here, premarital counseling. Amen. You'll learn a lot more about it, but premarital counseling. But this idealistic distortion basically is that notion that love is blind, but what? Marriage is an eye-opener. Marriage is an eye-opener. So a lot of times when we're infatuated with someone and we're not objectively getting to know them as the person that they are, we see them through rose-colored glasses. Yeah, because we're doing all this all the time. What? Sometimes. <laughs> and then we wake up and realize, who are you? Who are you? Who but are we're, you? we're dealing with them based off of them being the potential husband. We're dealing with them based off of being the potential wife. We're not dealing with them as the individual that they are. Right. Which is why oftentimes, because we're looking at them as my girl, my man, my girl, my man, and we're not sitting back and saying, but this is who I am bringing into being my girl and my man. That's good. And so what ends up happening is that when we wake up after marriage, after some time has passed, and we're like, we're married now, we know each other. You don't know each other. It thing starts over every morning. Especially we women, we, we wake up somebody different sometimes every morning. And all the fellas said. Uh, Y'all can keep that. You can keep that. Y'all wake up different every morning too. Now, no, you all stuff start after work. <laughs> Y'all come home after work a different person every day. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about this aspect of it. So if you think about it, why? Oh, he ain't had no amen to say there, did he? See how I just shifted that right on in another direction? All right, so think about it this way. A lot of times when, when people are dating, they're spending a whole lot of time together because they're trying to impress each other, right? They're trying to get to know each other. So they're talking all the time. You know, we go back to before there were cell phones when you had to actually call on a, a, a phone that you had to dial and call each other. And, and we had, had something called beepers. And so you beat me, and then I call you back from a landline. Yeah, so anybody go back there? They don't know nothing about that. They're like, beeper. <laughs> anybody here know about a beeper? All right, and so, 
So what happens is you, These you millennials sp- like what? <laughs> you the spend, ringtone on my phone? <laughs> you spend all of this time together, right? And then what happens is you get married and life starts happening. Right now we're, we're working, right? We're spending time at work trying to grow in our positions. Then we have kids. And then what can easily happen is now instead of focusing on each other, we focus on the kids. So now the kids become the priority and we stop communicating with each other. So even though we're still married, the kids and work and life is causing us to grow apart. And you can look up after raising kids and now the kids are grown and out of the house. You two can be left with each other and realize we don't even know each other. That's right. And that's the goal here is to avoid that over the next several weeks. And so let's go right to point number one. How is God calling you to be intentionally or to intentionally grow in intimacy with your counterpart? How is God calling you to do that? Let's look at letter A. We're going to look at four different ways today, right? Letter A today is sincerely get to know your counterpart. Notice point number one is get to know your counterpart. Letter A up underneath that is sincerely get to know your counterpart. Because I know we can all act like it. We can fake that. But the reality is if we don't know each other, it is going to show up in one form or another. So we might as well be sincere about that, right? Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's look at verse 33, the Amplified. Sincerely get to know your counterpart. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 33. However, each man among you without exception. So no one gets a pass. I hope everyone in here listens very carefully to this. Because it's in the Bible, every man has a grace to walk out what it is that I'm getting ready to describe if he chooses to and his desire is to obey God. And there's not a male on the planet that has an exception to what I'm getting ready to describe. He says, however, each man among you without exception is to love his wife, listen very carefully, as his very own self. And so remember, loving your counterpart does not start with your counterpart. Yep, yep, yep. Loving your counterpart starts Starts with with you. Loving you. And what you need to pay attention to, ladies, is how does he love himself? Because if working and getting his life together is not important to him before marriage, All right, listen now. Uh, listen, I don't want this to go left, okay? I want you to really listen and be challenged, man. You actually have a grace to walk this out. The moment you head in this direction, all of heaven and all of the grace of God will back you to be what he designed for you to be. You just got to head in this direction. He says, watch this now. Uh, uh, the way he loves his very own self with behavior worthy of respect and esteem. So a lot of times, right, I'm the man. Respect me. But that's earned. That's not given. So your behavior has to be a place where you never have to demand that. She actually wants to give that to you based off of what you live in front of her every single day. All right, and so it's so important here. Watch this now. It's worthy of respect and esteem, always seeking the best for her with an attitude of loving kindness. Now, notice the ability to always seek the best for her actually comes out of the ability to always seek the best for yourself. When you want the best for you, you want the best for everything that you love. That's right. Come on, come on, fellas. Don't look at me like that. Don't leave me out here by myself, right? So believe it or not, it doesn't start with her. It starts with my personal relationship with God. Then it starts with how I love myself. And then I can give all of that away to her. And it's my heart's desire to do it. But I first must have it because a lot of times we're demanding respect. We're demanding to be esteemed. We're demanding to be we're demanding honor we're pounding our chest to get it when you don't need to do all of that all you've got to do is just take care of the bills take care of the house make sure she's secure come on somebody make sure she's emotionally safe love on her spend a whole lot of time with her listen to her when she talks to you dwell with her with an understanding of who she is and she naturally wants to give that to you so 
in other words, if he doesn't, if he won't provide for himself, he won't provide for her. In most cases. And, and let, let's, let's just, now listen, if you're in a situation, don't be condemned. Exactly. Don't be condemned. If you married, right, or you're in a relationship where, where he doesn't have all that together, listen to me. All I'm saying is don't, ex you don't, she shouldn't have to tell you to go get a job. She shouldn't have to tell you you need to work. She shouldn't have to tell you it's your responsibility to pay the bill. She shouldn't have to tell, you should require that of yourself. So even though you're in it now, it doesn't give you an exception to not develop in this area. So you can still be in it and keep right. developing. And she'll help you do that as long as she can see you heading in that direction. And I love part B of this. It says, and the wife, in the Amplified, must see to it. This ain't me talking. This is the word of God talking. And he charges the woman with the responsibility that she intentionally sees to it that she respects and delights in her husband, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear if he does everything that's right. No, that's, no, that's not, not what, what it, it says. says. That's not what it says. That's not now what they, it says. Now, they tried to add that, but that's not what it says. But they sure did say amen, didn't they? They said amen. They came up Hallelujah. with the people's choice version of that same verse there. It says there that God charges you, wife, that you respect and delight in your husband. What does that mean? Respect. Not, you don't want to make it hard for him to come and honor you. You don't want to make it hard for him to spend time with you. You don't want to make it hard for him to, to delight himself in you. You don't want to make it hard for him to listen to you when you're having a conversation. So when we bestow respect and we delight in who they are, because, I mean, I'm going to say this. I, I say with all due respect, you know I love you, baby. Go ahead. I love you. That's a setup. Watch this. <laughs> but men are very sensitive. We are. We are. We try to act like that not, ego. They charge Fragile. women with they charge Fragile. women with emotionalism. The issue is that we are willing to express it and move on. But men, that ego, it's fine glass. That ego needs stroking. It needs some patting. It needs some holding. It needs some correction. That ego is intense. Which is why the Lord God himself said it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a helpmate because he ain't got it together. I made him perfect. This is before the fall. Before the fall, he said, I made him perfect in all his glory, but he still needs some help. So it is our responsibility to esteem him to where he should be. To honor him to where he should be. To respect him to where he should be. And then when we do that, you got to understand that you are sowing seed unto God. Yeah. All right. So that's powerful. And he makes it right on the earth. That's powerful. Because a lot of times what she could do is actually see him for what he is and not for where she wants him to be. So what she's saying to him is, you ain't nothing anyway. Right? You, if you go do this, then maybe I'll Maybe I'll give you some. Yeah. The reason... <laughs> So, so, and now watch this. A guy literally, I want you to understand, this is how important this is to a guy. A guy will, even though it's a marriage, if a guy is not being esteemed, even if he doesn't deserve it, if he's not being respected, if he's not being noticed, listen to this. Minister George brought this to my attention and it's so true. He won't want to be in that relationship. He'll be it's there mentally. He might even be there physically, but he won't be there emotionally. He won't. So he'll, he'll check out. And, he'll, he'll, and I've seen many of marriages 20, 30 years where they're just getting, moving along roommates, and get along. Roommates, just partners, life partners. But it, it says here that she delights in him, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear. In other words, he, you need to be the hottest cheerleader in his corner. What does that look like? <laughs> Cheer me on a little bit. That, that's, a, that's the next point. Little okay, bit. all right, all right. You're getting a, but baby, you, I need a little bit. I, My I, ego I, I, sh suffering right now. But you are wonderful, though. What am I? You are wonderful. Me? I'm wonderful? You are wonderful. You are amazing. How, how wonderful I, I am I? Thank you. You are a leader, baby. Oh. You are, 
You are considerate. Oh. I just appreciate how every time I get ready to leave the house, you always ask me, do you need to put anything in the car? Oh. You always meet me when I come home oh. and jump up and give me a kiss. Oh. I thank you. You know, when I do that, I'm working on something. You working on something? Yeah. For me, I like the end result of all of that work that I so put in. This is that goal-driven living. Goal-focused living because at the end of the thing. So, so listen to this. This is Proverbs 31:11 says it like this. The heart of her husband trusts in her confidently and relies on and believes in her securely so that he has no lack of honest gain or need of dishonest spoil. We're talking about point number one is knowing, getting to know your spouse or spending time knowing your counterpart, but A up under there is sincerely. Now, a lot of times we come into a relationship, depending on where we come from, with an expectation of what a husband should be. And sometimes our expectation on what a husband should be is fractured because we never really saw it. Or we're focusing on something that's different and we know what we want, but we don't take time out to know him sincerely for who he is and what he's able to bring to the table. That's good. And so when we fail to do that, again, sincerely, we don't give him room to be the fullness of who God created to him to be for me. Yeah. And so, remember, in sincerely getting to know your counterpart, I know what makes her tick. I know what makes her mad. I know what makes her happy. So, as a husband, I actually know all I've got to do is make sure all the bills are taken care of. All I've got to do is keep her in a safe and secure environment. I've got to communicate to her about everything that's going on. This is our situation. Communicate to her about everything that's going on, right? Include her into the monthly budget. Include her so she knows she's a priority in every decision that I'm making and listen to her and she is pretty much going to be stable in this relationship. Now that's her and I know her. The moment I know those things about her, then I'm no longer being sincere when I don't give them to her. And this can translate to the workplace. This can translate to family. Sometimes you know you're dealing with somebody that's just different. And we, we, we want our bosses, we think our boss is responsible for recognizing everything we do, we do, or sometimes we think that our family members are supposed to recognize us for all this stuff that we've done for them. You gotta pay attention to who they are and allow them to be who they are and deal with them from that and not the boss, neighbor, sibling, mama, daddy, cousin, brother, kid that you want them to be. And then when you're able to appreciate them for who they are, now it's not personal. That's right. That's good. I'm sincerely ingesting who you are, and God, Holy Spirit, he says he'll direct your steps and he shows you all things to come. That's right. He'll tell you how to deal with that boss. That's right. How to deal with mama. That's how right. to deal with those kids. That's right. That's good. Let's move on to point letter B. Letter B is spend time with them, right? If we're going to have good communication, we've got to sincerely get to know them, and then letter B, spend time with them. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, out of the Amplify. That's why I'm telling you, man, we had about 200 guys this past Wednesday night at our first uh, men's Bible study. That is excellent. And the goal, we're not getting ready to beat anyone up. We're getting ready to build everyone up. I really, at the end of this, my dream is that every man will be able to take care of his own household. That's the goal. At the end of this, right? We want to teach you how to do it, show you how to do it, and watch this, actually help you do it. And so we're trying to get better. We want to be better men. We want to be better husbands. We want to be better fathers. We want to be better in our single life. So if you didn't come this past Wednesday night, second Wednesday every month, I believe it's going to be as full as you see this service on this Sunday morning. That's right. Bring a friend because this is a safe environment where we all can help each other grow, okay? Let her be. Spend time with them. Ephesians chapter chapter 5 verse 31 amplified says for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother sidebar right listen ladies don't overlook this a man will detach from his mother and his father means he is no longer dependent and requires no aid or assistance from his parents he will leave his parents 
Now, you might have the right one, you might be in the right situation, but the timing might be a little off. If he is still dependent upon his parents, he is not ready to spend quality time with you. And don't overlook that, right? Because if you take him from his mama's house to your house, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. Notice what his next, soon as he detaches from that, and shall be joined. The King James Version uses a word called cleave, which means to hotly pursue. Amplified describes it this way, and be faithfully devoted. So that means she now becomes, after God, his number one priority, his main devotion, what he commits most of his time to. He becomes faithfully devoted to his wife, and the two become one flesh. So his entire assignment in life is to now, after God, pursue her, be faithfully devoted to that, and constantly uh, put, make sure that the two of them are operating as one individual, which means I've got to know again what makes her click. I've got to spend time with her. I've got to listen to her, right? I know she has a dream and a desire to have a big women's ministry. I know she wants to start Patricia E. Gregory Ministries. I know all of this. And if I'm faithfully devoted to her, then I'm going to put all of the resources that I have behind her to help her become all that God has called her to be. Watch this. As long as it doesn't take her away from me and the kids. That faithful devotion will drive me to making sure her life becomes everything she dreamed for it to be. A lot of times we miss this, man. We think she exists to make us everything that God called us to be. And in part, that's true. But in giving herself to you like that, she also expects you to help her become everything that's in her heart to be. And it works both ways. That's right. And the two shall become one flesh. We're talking about spending time with one another. And when you understand the one flesh, we're not talking about doing it all the time. But that's important. <laughs> we talked about this. But the one flesh means the evolution of us truly getting to know one another. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that there's... That is a way to get to know each yes. other better, too. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Okay. And so, with that being said, the time that you spend together, and it's oftentimes not even a matter of talking to one another. Just being together. But just being together can enhance a closeness, and just me knowing that he's there or he's made himself available to me builds my security in our relationship. See, when you first get married, everything is all cuckoo caca, and then the first time you had that big argument. And then the first time you have that big argument, then you're like, oh, Lord, did I marry the right one? What have I gotten myself into? No, you're, you're expecting, a lot of times we expect that things will go right and just snap off the right way. Now, understand that as we spend time together, we are mending our lives together. Right. And when we're both changing, evolving, and growing, and enhancing ourselves, then we're doing that with one another. Guess what? That process never stops. That's right. And oftentimes, spending time together, you know, I can tell you, babe, you, you, you ask me, babe, how you doing? How you doing? Is babe? there anything wrong? Is there anything wrong with you? No, ain't nothing wrong with me. All right, so now she said that, I'm gone. If I asked you, is anything wrong, and you said nothing's wrong, I'm gone. The problem is, later on tonight, she's going to say, I, wasn't, I didn't pick up on it. I wasn't sensitive enough when she was talking to me about that. But see, when he's spending time with me, uh oh, and he's knowing me, mm -hmm. okay, I, and I'm spending time with him, and I'm knowing him, and then I'm, I, I got an attitude now. Because after spending enough time with you, I should have known you were asking me that question because something really is going but on. But on the flip side, I have to be accountable because I did what? You didn't tell me. You said nothing was wrong. Exactly. So he knows something's going on, but the flip side of that is that I have to be accountable for what I said. So either I have a choice in our spending time together... If I want to spend time together, I need to extinguish the funky attitude and be honest and not make myself into some type of jigsaw puzzle that he has to figure out. Because for guys, we don't, we don't really want to be around that. And so we'll say until you figure you out, I'm gone. 
call me later. I'll All be back sudden, later. He's the, gone. The golf trip is now eight hours long instead of uh, us just getting together at Buffalo Wild Wings. So we want to make sure that this time that we spend together is enjoyable for both individuals. Amen. Let her see. Let her see. Focus on the good qualities in each other. Focus on the good qualities in each other. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 8 from the Message Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Message Bible, right? We all have bad qualities. Anyone in here willing to admit you've got some issues? We all do, right? All of us have bad qualities that we bring into a relationship. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Message Bible says, Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your mind and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. When you spend time with one another and when you are intentionally getting to know one another, you have to learn to enjoy, because the thing that brought you two together is that good thing. The, so we have to, qualities. those good qualities. So we have to be sure to focus on those good qualities. Before we dive any further, let's look at this video real quick. Let's see what you see. about focus. How many of y'all like doggone in church? They're scaring us in church. That was five quick scenes from the Mary Poppins movie. One minute. Slow down the music and darken the lighting to create a one minute and six second focal point and making Mary Poppins seems like she's just crazy scary creature. If you focus on the negative, the negative will make your outcome very scary. Right? And, and so that's so good. Right? There's two and a half other hours of good script and good content in that same movie. Yeah. But when you focus on what's negative or take what was meant to be positive and created to be negative, your outcome will be what you focused on. So like when we first married, you know, it's so easy to just, you know, we're just getting to know each other, right? <laughs> and so um, at the end of the day, I don't really care which way the toilet paper rolls. It can roll over, it can roll under. Long as it comes out, that's all I care about at the end of the day. But right? see, me and my issues, I'm sorry, babe, were you finished? No, go ahead. Me and my issues, the first two weeks of us mar being married, you know, it took a little time for me to have to change the first roll of toilet paper. My toilet paper needs to roll out, not under. I need for it to roll out. Now, if you have it going under, that's your business. But me, I'm upset, hot, frustrated, and angry because he didn't think enough that this toilet paper needs to roll now think about it. We've got a good relationship, but in this moment, I'm like, listen, long as that toilet paper come out, I don't care which way it roll, up or down. Then we had another situation where, you know, I'm used to living by myself. So you use the restroom, you leave the toilet up, right? And so one night I left the toilet up. Right? Left the toilet up. She, she goes in the next morning to use the restroom and falls inside of the commode. 
She yells, I'm gets screaming. all upset, right? Screaming, she all upset. All Put wet. the toilet down after you use the restroom. I said, listen, I've got to lift it up when I use the restroom. What's wrong with you taking it and just putting it down when you got to use the restroom? Now watch this. People do this kind of stuff, just like the movie, two-hour movie, right? They will allow, in a two-hour movie of their life, they will allow one minute to ruin one hour and 59 minutes of a good marriage over some toilet paper and a toilet seat, which way it's rolling and whether it's up or whether it's down. That was the whole purpose of that video clip. That was a two-hour movie, folks. But you see how, depending on what you focus on, people can take Mary Poppins and turn her into Scary Mary. And you know, and I'm going to touch on something a little sensitive. If you are in a relationship and say that someone messed up, okay, I know it hurt. I know you felt betrayed. I know you're angry. I know that you're de dealing, with some, dealing with some real insecurities in your relationship. But if you decide to proceed on and receive the healing power of Jesus Christ and forgive as God told you for, to forgive, as God told you to forgive, let's now focus on getting better and not reflect back and focus on what happened back then. 10 years ago. I don't care if it was 10 years Five or 10 years months. If we're going to move forward, no man is worthy of the kingdom of God of pushing that plow and looking back. You can't. We got to move on. So you're still responsible for forgiving. But if you really want to move on in that relationship, it will require you to focus forward. Now, That's so good. I was talking to my daughter yesterday because she was going through something with one of her friends in situation. And I said, baby, nowhere in the Bible, the Bible commands us to forgive. But nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to forget. But what we are commanded to do is forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. We, we don't count our one's sins against them, but if we're living in the state of who Christ is, again, that in Christ is in us, then we are able to move forward. But then at some point, loving yourself will determine or will be the precept upon which how many times you deal with something that was rightfully and, and word-wise unjust. I just wanted to say that, no, I'm just glad to, to share that in this, in this context. So again, focusing on the good qualities of one another, when you focus on that, babe, mm -hmm. I thank you that I don't have to worry or deal with a, a financial disruption in our home. I thank you. And you know, the other, this earlier this week, I experienced a supernatural move of the Lord. What was that? You cooked dinner. I cooked dinner. <laughs> Why did it have to be a supernatural move? It was a miracle. Now, and, now, it, and the Lord heard my cry. Now, now let me say this. That's my bad. Because if I would have known I would get that kind of reaction out of her, I would have learned how to cook 21 years ago. <laughs> but now that I know that, I'm getting ready to cook three to four times a week. It's going to get that kind of reaction out of her every single See, time, that, right? That, then it don't become supernatural no more. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you what I love about you, though. But I, I just want to focus on the good. I love the way you take care of me. I love the way you take care of our kids. That blesses me more than anything. I love the way you take care of the house. I love the way you take care of the meals around the house. Just everything. You, you are babe. a great blessing to me and the kids. Thank you, babe. Great blessing. So... When Crazy we focus tough. on those things and we're, that's what we're paying attention to, it's easy now to compliment. Yeah. It's easy now. Now, there's one thing I want to refer to, Proverbs 14, verse 4, in the Amplified, says, Where no oxen are, the grain crib is empty, but much increase of crops comes by the strength of the ox. What does that mean? Basically, what he's saying there, if the grain crib is empty and nice and clean, exactly the way you want it. It's because you don't have any ox. So therefore, you're not profiting. But if it's messy, sometimes the mess is so worth it because by the strength of the ox, you profit. What am I saying? Relationships are messy. All of them. All of them. The more you spend time with a person, the more opportunity there is for stuff to go awry. You just got to know that if you're thinking about dating someone and you're thinking about a commitment, prepare yourself 
to evaluate what it looks like when you two have a head-on collision. That's part of it. And the strongest relationships survive the most catastrophic events. That's right. Those are the strongest relationships. Because now, me and this one, short of him dishonoring God and criminal activity, we ride or die for real. That's right. We done been through some things. That's right. We've seen some situations. That's right. And I know that he has my back, and I know doggone sure I I have his back. It's not a competition. It's not an effort for me to change him and make him to who I need for him to be or vice versa. That's right. As much as when we focus on those qualities and we understand that relationships are messy, but I'm here for the challenge, that's when it's strong. That's when that three-strand cord is not easily broken. Yeah, and I just want to say something right here. You know, you all, five years ago, I didn't have a job and I had no money coming in, right? She could have handled that a whole lot of different ways. Right? A whole lot of different ways. She could have said the wrong thing at the wrong time would have sent me south. Let me tell you something, ladies. You don't realize how much power you have. Everyone in the world could have walked away from me. But as long as I knew she believed in me, I knew we'd come back greater than everything that we lost. That's right. So what I never heard from her was putting me down. All I ever heard was, we can do this. We can do it together. How can I help you? What do you need me to do? Are you okay today? Really, the entire time was a time of her building me up, which was really a fork in the road where I could have went either way. But, But she was so strong in my corner, she actually made me believe in myself, even at times when I didn't believe in myself. Thank you for that, babe. I'll never forget that the rest of my life. Last one, praise each other often. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, last verse for the day. Message Bible says, watch the way you talk. This is so good. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Listen to this. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. If the goal is to win... I need to speak Joe Lee's to get him to win so that we can both win together. Mm-hmm. Me praising him, thanking him, honoring him will build him up ultimately to the goal for the goal that I want to accomplish. I'm sowing into him. I'm spending my time focusing on those good things. And when I do that, it's easy for me to continue to build him up. And in doing so, then he wants to do the same for me. See, we're not, you know, a lot of times, ladies, because we are such great foreseers, we are. We just, I mean, we need to probably do it again, spaghetti and waffles. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a series that we taught years ago, it's called Spaghetti and Waffles. Our mind is like spaghetti. It twists and turns and twists and turns and goes in all kinds of directions and it bends and curves everywhere. We could be talking about the morning prayer devotion and the next thing you know, we're talking about why I don't want to cook steak for dinner. <laughs> Men, they're waffles. Everything has Walking its square. Part. Everything right. is in its category. Yeah. If they're thinking about the, bath, the all-star weekend, guess what they're not thinking about? What we're going to cook for dinner? What we're going to eat for dinner? They're not thinking about that till that hunger pang hits. So again, in my praising, learning to praise him and encourage him for where he is and speaking those things that are good about him, I'm thinking all the time about focusing, again, relating this to focusing on what's good about him. I'm relating that to him, not in an effort to change him, mm-hmm. but because I am sincerely recognizing and thanking him for the parts that he is in my life. That's good. Scripture tells us often also to speak those things that be not as though they were. Until so, they are. So, so let's go back to the cooking situation. I would thank him all the time for cooking dinner because for, for 21 years, the first 21 years, cooking dinner for him was pickup or, or the restaurant. It was. That's right. So thank you. Daddy cooked dinner tonight, y'all. We all up in here at Ruth Chris's. Thank you. <laughs> we at Capers, babe. Thank you for cooking dinner. Babe, thank you. That Jim and Nick's was, I know you cooked it, but that thing, Jim, Jim and Nick's was good. Thank you, babe. I'm speaking those things that be not as though they were. Mm-hmm. 21 years later, I got lamb, <laughs> cauliflower, rice, sauteed, garlic, spinach. Praising him for who he is. Right. 
So if people would understand this, the more she praises me, the more I want to be around her. When she has nothing good to say about me and she can't find nothing good, the less I want to be around her. Right? And then that's when, I'm not condoning this, but then that's when somebody else starts praising him. And because and our egos are so big, that's why it's so easy for us to gravitate somewhere else because we have to have that in our life. No different with her. If, if, the more I praise her, the more it draws her to me. The more she wants to be with me, the more I compliment her, the more I praise her. If I'm always telling her what she's not and what she didn't do and, and, and what you don't bring to the relationship and all that, I'm going to let you do not want to be with me. Well, you need to be doing this. You should do this. Have you ever thought about doing it? And then, and you're right. But when you praise me or when you compliment me, I want to be better. Right. I want to be stronger mm -hmm, for you. Mm -hmm. I want to be that I one can that could into you. I see. Right. So, so in other words, in order for us to have intimacy, I have to see into you. Exactly. And, and I have to see into you. For us to have intimacy. Right. The moment I don't want to understand you for who you are, I shut off the intimacy. Exactly. And I do the same. So because I'm all about me and I'm not about us. Hmm. And then when if I'm about us, then I want to be and bring out the best of who you are. Right. Not as my husband, but as Joel Gregory, because Joel Gregory is going to show up as husband or whoever all day long. That's good. Okay. Did you all get anything well, out of this today? End, well, let me end with this, We're babe. just out of time, right? That's just point number one. We've got four more to go. Go ahead. Babe. Yeah, I just want to end with this. Philippians 4.11. This is Paul speaking, and he's speaking in the context of the church of Philippi, wanting to do more for him than they have, but he's still rejoicing anyway because they're not in that position. And he says in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. One thing man does not need to learn how to do is complain. That's right. So no good. one teaches us how to complain. Just like no one has to bring weed seeds to a garden to plant weeds. They weeds just, just show up. Complaining can just show up. Paul says what I love about this when I was studying this in my devotion, he says, I have learned. He's learned to be content. That's good. He's learned to find satisfaction in whatever state he's in. He had to learn this over time. And he said to be, therein to be content. Not complacent, but content. That's good. I can abound and I can abase. But I'm good no that's, matter what. That's good. And that's where we need to be in our relationships. That we, you know what? That's who you are. I'm going to let you do you. But I'm still Christ. So I'm going to continue to evolve and grow in who I am. And, in, and who I am at some t point, the light is going to shine. You're going to see it. And you're going to want to be better too. That's what we bring to the table. That's good. And that's the last point there is to remain in Christ. Even if the other person doesn't choose to grow, still shouldn't stop you from growing. Right? And so we can't play this tit-for-tat game. You did this to me, so now I'm getting ready to do this for you. Oh, you want to go out and do all that? Then I'm going out and doing all that. So you got to stay in Christ regardless of what the person is or what the other person is doing or not doing. Stay in Christ. That's the last point. It's going to be a great blessing. Again, did you all get anything out of this today? All right. Let's all stand to our feet. Everyone stand to their feet. And I just want you to lift your hands to the Father for a moment. This is such a challenging area in all of our lives and it's not just in male-female relationships it's really in all relationships people have a difficult time communicating with each other let's just lift our hands to the father and so father I pray for every person in this room today I just pray father for every important relationship that they have father they will prioritize that relationship to get to know the other person for who they are and then treat them based off of who they are and focus on the good things and watch the words that come out of their mouths and praise each other often, Father, and learn how to communicate in a way that even when change needs to take place, they know how to build each other up with that change. And Father, ultimately, we'll give you all the glory for all the better communication that we'll all experience in our relationships in Jesus' name. And I want you to stay right now in that attitude of prayer. I want you to stay in that attitude of just focusing on where you are with God. We started off in this message talking about the most important
relationship you have to have yes. is the one with God. To be